mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com Noticed. Look, I've got spatter on on my nice white shirt. So you have got a little greasy blob. Yep. Is it kimchi? No, I don't think it's kimchi, but it uh, it's from a very <laughs> unsuccessful midweek stew that I put on the stove oh before I left. Oh, you've made it, or you you, you I made already it, know it's not very good. No, I made it this morning. Well, you always have a taste test. Oh yeah, you? no, I always taste mine. Yep. God, I've made some. Terrible stews. Well, this one, I made it with uh, Kawarna, you know, the, the the meat substitute. Not familiar with that one. Corn, you know, corn. Oh, corn, you know, yes. Corn. Yes. Sorry. yes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, it was that mint stuff, but yeah. it didn't quite defrost. Yeah. So I've been stamping at it, but that's a disappointment there because not only is it a rather ineffective stew, but that's ruined my nice white shirt. You probably can do something with it, but I'm not hopeful for you. No, well, I tell you what, that is my Wednesday evening sorted. Okay, great. So much to look forward to. Now, we are talking uh, Wednesday lunchtime, aren't we? I'm just swallowing a jalapeno uh, from the salad bar. Do you think that people can tell that there's been a different energy uh, over the last uh, two episodes? Yesterday's episode of the podcast was recorded pre-dusk. Yes. And we are. It's broad daylight now, or what passes for it at the fag end of January. I rather enjoy doing them a little bit earlier, actually, Jane. Yeah, what you mean is you enjoy getting home earlier. That's what you actually mean. Well, kind of, but actually I just have more energy. Do you? Okay, well, yes, I'm absolutely buzzing. I mean, after we've been through the complete mill of news between three and five, we are exhausted. There was absolutely no doubt what the biggest story of yesterday was, the missing monkey from the the Highland Park. And I think I overheard somebody in the newsroom say, that he's been caught. Oh, that is a shame. But we'll we'll catch up with it later and find out exactly what's happened. Because you had high hopes, actually, that the Japanese macaque might be able to befriend some kind of local species and, you know, in desperation, uh, they'd have little babies and start a whole Oof. new species. Because you didn't want to imagine the macaque being lonely in the glens forever. No, roaming around, uh, wearing just a kilt. That's all you'd need there, isn't it? What's that? Oh, hang on. Drone sighting of escape monkey in Highlands raises hopes he is homeward bound. Thank you, Megan. Well, didn't the lovely zoologist you spoke to yesterday... James Mackay. ...say that uh, that what would get him home was just he's hungry and he needs some decent scran? Yeah. I was... So, like, very many men, after a couple of days away... Roman. ...in a holiday inn, decide they might as well go back. Because, <laughs> actually, it turns out that the great big wild blue yonder doesn't offer all the comforts of home. Yeah, there's a message for all the fellas out there. Just think about it, OK? Um, yeah, but I rambling around your bird feeder. I wanted to know um, whether they'd have a sense of direction. And the lovely Mr Mackay said, yeah, we shouldn't have any bother finding home. I mean, that did surprise me. Oh, come on. Have well, you, I, well, I haven't got a sense of direction, so why would a little monkey have one? What lies at the heart of David Attenborough's stories over the last 70 years? I don't it's know. migration, isn't it, and heading home. Oh, I see. Everything's so. about 
you know, your course, yeah. patch can, yeah. and yeah, and okay. finding it again. So I do find it funny with the youngsters navigating using, in my experience, ways, which annoys me in any number of different ways because it's spelt in that quirky way that all little apps have to be spelt so not the right way oh god that annoys me and my you know they will even roots they know perfectly well they will insist on doing what Waze tells them to do i don't get it it just because it shaves off 15 seconds from the uh, journey time they'll go down some bloody side alley i don't get i don't get it yeah I don't get it. Sorry. It is bad, isn't it? It's that. I mean, what will they do when civilization crumbles? And they'll have to just dig out the old A to Z. But just the funny know. thing is that schools still teach quite a lot of orienteering and stuff, don't they? Well, do they? I think it's really they good do. if they do. They do. I, I seriously do think it's great. Maybe it is to just counter that. So yeah. we realised after a very disastrous journey back uh, to the airport in Gozo a couple of summers ago. Um, that Where's Gozo? Sorry, it's off the coast of Malta. All right. Um, we'd had a very, very hot holiday, really, really hot holiday. Uh, first world problem, I know. Uh, and we were driving back to the airport. We were a little bit tight for time. <laughs> and the sat-nav was just sending us in the most extraordinary places. And we turned down these tiny, tiny little lanes. And we thought, OK, well, it's the sat-nav and we're tight yeah, for time. Okay. So they know a shortcut. Oh, of course. Appears to be going over a donkey path, but we'll be OK. And, of course, we had it set to footsteps rather than car. Oh, so we so literally were <laughs> driving down for a park's sake. <laughs> And did the adult in charge, me, uh, have the good sense to think outside of the sat-nav? No. Uh, so, yeah, goodbye, Gozo. Uh, your name is quite funny in modern speak, Jane. If you do that thing, you know, which which ways and yeah. grinder and things like that grinder. do. <laughs> I think I really have lost my sense of direction if I'm on grinder. I've made a leap, everybody. <laughs> really I mean, I do like the Pet Shop Boys a lot. Um, yes. fact, I don't even know whether the grinder has dropped its vowels. Has it? Um, okay, better example. I, oh, I think it has dropped. It doesn't have any. Okay, well yeah. that and and, yeah. and the famous case is Aberdeen, isn't it? Where the Aberdeen, oh, yeah, whatever God. it was, yeah. financial and I, institution. And I've talked before about the health bot app I was obliged to use by my local surgery, um, which I was I was wanting just to, you know to renew my HRT, and uh, I had to use something called Patches, only it was spelled Patches. Patches. Well, you would be Jingvi. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gvi. Yeah. Gvi. Yeah. Well, what doesn't. would you be? No, it doesn't. It doesn't work, does it? It's very difficult. But oh. it, I'm with you on that. It drives me mad. Oh, the modern world. Now, we've talked about journeying and adventuring-ish uh, so far in our conversation. Good time to say our guest is Tracy Edwards, MBE. I tell you what, you are on fire I've had a with the radio workshop number 672 Linking Conversations. <laughs> Tracy Edwards, MBE. She was only 26 when she did the Whitbread Round the World Yacht Race and she's still in sailing. Uh, uh, still, Actually, she's such a, an enthusiastic woman and uh, we'll hear from her a little bit later, Fee. Go on. Well, can I just say, please don't worry about January Book Club. We haven't mentioned the book. Uh, it is actually because Jane and I are still waiting to turn the opening page on it, but as soon as we do, you'll hear nothing but mm. news of An Elderly Lady is Up to No Good by Helen Turston. Yeah. That is book club number four. And if you can't get hold of a copy uh, on the Amazon, then you can download it for free 
on Audible if you've got that facility uh, and uh, you can get it outside because I think it's run out on Amazon and that may well be our fault, uh, but why not try your local bookshop? Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I managed to source a copy on the Blackwell site as well. So please don't give up. Oh, okay. If right. you want to buy it, then you might have to go somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, but also I think we would say too, wouldn't we, that you can always join in if you haven't read the book. Um, so please don't worry too much. Just pretend you're doing English and it's year, what would it be, year nine. When you're not really paying attention. You're sitting at the back, it's very hot. Uh, maybe you buy the radiator deliberately. You'd have no idea what's being talked about, but you're still there. Yeah. And you can be in the book club in that spirit. And there's always, you know, Joanna at the front to answer a very long question and you can just nod wisely. <laughs> that used to be my policy. Answer a question in the first five minutes, yeah, then, leave you alone. Yeah. Or just offer to do the reading out loud. Uh, yeah, funnily enough. Because then the teacher will, will have heard from you. Yes. I bet you were first up for that. Well, far be it from me to... I wouldn't want to put myself forward. No. Uh, so can I just say Tracy Renard in North Dorset, don't worry uh, at all. Um, we are discussing the book probably in about three weeks' time now. And she is really thankful that it's quite a short book. Yeah. Uh, can we just briefly mention our new personal finance feature, which is on a Monday with the wonderful Adam Shaw? Let's. Uh, just to tell people who only listen to the podcast, and by the way, don't leave it there. Listen to the Times Radio show live Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. Uh, the Times Radio app is completely free, everybody. Won't cost you a penny to listen. Um, and we have personal finance with Adam on a Monday. If you have a question, uh, ping it to us either on Instagram or you can email Jane and Fee at times.radio uh, because we, Fee and I are both incredibly keen to emphasise there are no daft questions. We don't need to use your name. Uh, so many of us get tied up in knots, particularly about stuff like pensions. And Sharon has emailed to say, I did ask a question on Instagram about whether or not I should combine my itty-bitty pensions. It may have been answered last Monday, but I want to catch up on the Times Radio app. And last Monday is now gone. Um, and in fact, I know that our colleague Megan has since emailed you, Sharon, with the clip of the feature. So the question was answered, wasn't it? It was. That was the day I wasn't there, but it was definitely answered. Yes, it was. Yeah. So please, um, in that spirit, keep your questions coming because Adam is brilliant. He knows everything. He works properly hard. And um, it's just a, it's just a, an area that so many of us feel completely pe perplexed by. And there's just no need to be embarrassed if there's something you don't understand. Fair chance we won't understand it either. Adam will, though. Jane and Fee at Times.radio. Yeah, more than a fair chance. Yes. Uh, this comes in from Sarah, who sent us a picture of two cups. Uh, Dear Jane and Fee, you were talking about lost art, little things in your house that aren't there anymore, and my mum has a collection of moustache cups. I had never heard of those. No. My dad was in the RAF and had a big fancy moustache. Well done him, sir. These cups were to stop the moustache going into the tea. This set is my favourite, as it was a wedding gift to Jenny and Charles in 1863. That's fantastic. And that's painted on the side. So is it because they're so small yeah, I think so. that they would just lift the moustache out? And is that a moustache that's actually kind of um, daintily painted onto the inside? The inside of the cup. I think it is. But I occasionally catch the end of Antiques Roadshow. <laughs> and it is only the end. How much? <laughs> Yeah. And the person tries really hard to disguise the savage disappointment. So I had no idea. Well, we're definitely not parting with it. <laughs> Flicks through Google. <laughs> this was my dear, dear great aunt Lillian's favourite possession. It's worth what? <laughs> it's going. Uh, no, it's. Uh, I only catch those last couple of minutes. But um, I'd never, I'd never heard of moustache cups. That is a whole new area. And facial hair and appropriate cuppage 
Who knew? Who knew? I mean, is there anything for the lady beard? <laughs> <laughs> I don't, when I did my brows this week, oh, I didn't do them. I went to a lady who does them. Did you now? And uh, she did ask if I wanted my top lip doing. It's always that moment, isn't it? You think, do I? Mm. Well, I've you don't say anything. No, you don't need it, darling, at all. Uh, it was a little slow, but it got there in the end. Yep. I've always thought that there's definitely room in the market for a beautician with tweezers who operates in a dental surgery. So while you're having, you know, bits drilled and all of that kind of stuff, mm. you know, somebody, you're Someone reclining else. back under a very strong light. Somebody else could just come along and, you know, tweeze out all the bits that you don't want as well. Do well, your eyebrows. I'd be happy. Oh, it would be. It sounds... On the face of it, like it might work, but we all know how difficult it is. Don't get me started on NHS dentistry. I bet if we put that out there as a subject, um, it's just, it's hopeless. Yes. So yeah. the, the business model is is basically uh, unable to function, isn't it? That's that's what that, lies at the heart of and it. Maybe we need to reach out to our dental surgeon audience to tell us what's going on. So I think it's right. You, you, we do need a, you're absolutely right, a professional, but, but the basics of it, surely, mm. is that the... The money that is provided by the government per patient is no longer enough for a decent dentist mm -hmm. with all of its bills yeah. to be able to invite a large number of patients in for a considerable amount of time and, you know, be profitable. Well, I mean, people... What did my sister over here in a sauna the other day? A couple of young lads talking about... She was feeling... in a hot tub reading Anne Tyler last time she was mentioned on the podcast. She does get about. Uh, but she's never too busy to ring me. And sometimes I even get a word in, although not this morning. Anyway, um, she was talking about these two lads in their early 20s and one was telling the other that he just had two fillings, 380 quid. Mm. But uh, what I don't understand, and a dentist can answer this, is is it the materials that cost a lot of money? Um, or is it the electricity? It will be electricity and, and the energy bills generally. Um, obviously, you've had years of training. I get it. It's a real skill. Uh, but that just seems an incredible amount of money. I mean, presumably that was NHS as well. But that would take a good couple of hours to do. Would, I mean, I, that's what I appreciate. That's what I want to understand, I guess. I mean, is it the time? Is it the materials? Is it the years of training? Is it your energy bills? Uh, tell us. I, I, I just, I need to know. Yep. I, I mean, it's definitely, uh, it's going to come up at the election, that, I think, yeah. a lot. Mm. Because when you need a personal story, it tends to be health that provides the personal story yeah. at election time. Mm. And there just is... You know, definitely, there's a generation of people who are trying to do their own dentistry. Yeah, We know that Steve Wright, famously. DJ, famously uh, liked to do his own dental work. He didn't extend that um, offer to other showbiz friends, did he? Well, if he did, they've kept it in a very close cabal because yes. we definitely weren't invited. We never knew, I'd still we? like to get Steve Wright on the show. We never managed to do that, did we? No, we didn't. We did ask a number of times. We've had some major fails, haven't we, with people over the years? And then when we did get to interview one person, he turned out not to be very nice. <laughs> we don't hear much about him these days. Anyway, um, what have you got there, Fee? In response... Uh, sorry. Uh, in response, this comes from Bridget, to your valid curiosity as to why we would have a cockerel but not hens mm -hmm. 
with reference to yesterday's podcast, they make the most wonderful pets for children, whilst admittedly being a poor man's parrot and hovering woefully close to the bottom of the food chain. They sit happily on any perch, spend their days inspecting the garden and don't mind snuggling up with a child whilst they read a book. Since discovering that... Well, no, the cockerel doesn't read a book. The child reads I mean, a book. I was going to say, I mean, I've got... <laughs> no. People going on about their precocious kids is one thing, but this is ridiculous. <laughs> I did it with the wrong emphasis. Hang on. And don't mind snugging up with a child whilst they read a book. Is that better? Got it, yeah. OK. Yeah. Since discovering that almost all male chicks are gassed soon after hatching, oh an unintentional rooster retreat seems like a happy, albeit proportionally invisible, step in the opposite direction. Well, Bridget, you're just lovely. Uh, I think a rooster retreat is the way that we should all go. I yeah. had no idea that, that a rooster would make a good pet. I honestly hadn't given it any thought, but I'm glad I asked that question. And um, Bridget, may your rooster retreat just go on to even greater success. Okay. And if you're someone who could offer a home to a rooster, um, then contact this podcast and we'll see what we can do. We could run a kind of... Well, it wouldn't be a grinder for prospective rooster owners, would it? It would be no. a sort of just a, a kind of dating service for people interested in that kind of thing. Um, just looking after roosters. What am I talking about? No one will ever know. Susie is from Beedale. Uh, she says, My autistic son was 15 in 2003 and his older brother had recently died. Uh, she says sorry there. I mean, I, I, I understand why you put sorry. It's just that you think that you might be bringing us down. It's just a fact, Susie, and we're both um, sending love to you because that must be um, must have been absolutely terrible. And I'm sure it remains terrible for you and the rest of your family. But she goes on to say, On the way back from school... My autistic son said his brother had promised to show him some rude magazines, but now it wasn't going to happen. So I pulled into the next petrol station and I bought him one from the top shelf. He didn't want to discuss the contents. Um, Susie, thank you. Um, that's one of those just incredibly poignant slices of life, isn't it? I was going to say that it's just, it's actually a whole life in a paragraph. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. And also, yeah. what a lovely mum. Yes. What a well, lovely, I mean, lovely mum. Yeah. Thank you, Susie. Yeah. Um, just on that kind of uh, topic of the horrendous and very tragic loss of a child, we have been talking on the radio show about Fiona Spargo Mabs, uh, who is a remarkable woman whose son Daniel died when he was 16. Uh, he took drugs at a rave and uh, went into a coma and died. And she does the most remarkable work through uh, what is called the Daniel Spargo Mabs Foundation, uh, going into schools and educating kids about the reality of drugs. We've talked to her on the programme before, and she's a truly, truly lovely woman. And when she was heading off on Friday to go and give one of her talks um, at a school, she left on a train at Clapham Junction a bag that had a pair of Daniel's trainers in it and she takes Daniel's trainers into schools, you know, to just put them on the stage and focus the kid's mind on the life that's been lost. So we're trying to help her find those trainers because obviously they're just hugely important to her. So if you've got a moment... Could you take a look at our Instagram feed where there's a picture of the trainers, there's details of the train that she was on and there's the bag that the shoes were in. And if you can circulate it just in the hope that it makes, you know, somebody, somebody's memory gets jogged or someone's seen that bag. It's quite a distinctive bag from a school called Forest School. They're distinctive trainers too, aren't they, actually? Yeah, I think the problem is actually that they are, they're Nike are they high top. I don't quite think... Valuable. 
I don't. I'm not sure they're. Uh, I'm not sure they're valuable. Well, they're valuable to Fiona. I know yeah, that. Yeah, but. but I don't think they're rare enough. You know, okay. for people to kind of go, oh my goodness. But obviously, uh, you know, um, Fiona wants them back. So could you could you do that if you've got a moment, lovely listeners? And it would just be amazing uh, if somewhere somebody goes, oh yeah, you know, that bag accidentally came into our house, and uh, and obviously. No questions asked at all as to how somebody came by them. You know, just either get in touch with us or look for the Daniel Spargo Mabs Foundation website and get in touch with Fiona that way. Yeah, um, because I think any anybody can understand. I was going to say any parent, but actually, I mean anybody could understand just how, how just how much those shoes mean to her mm. and how important they are. So you never know. Um, as long as we spread the word, we're trying, and it might just reach the right person yeah you you never know. know there's no point in not trying no that is for sure no point uh, shall we say hello to oh, i'm going to get this wrong zosia but it's pronounced like pusher with a z so zusha 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 i think you've had a valiant attempt there <laughs> take your pick uh, a up, Jane and Fee. I was happily listening to your podcast this evening while cooking dinner. Imagine my surprise at hearing you introduce an email from my lovely mum. For there is surely only one Nella in Todd Morton, and she certainly does not take any shit. It brightened up my evening no end. Here you giggle at mum's story. I did first check that mum was in fact referring to my dad, as she does have a small collection of ex-husbands. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Though the current one, very lovely and equally hilarious, has now hit the 25-year mark, so it seems likely the collection is now complete. <laughs> Though I hadn't heard it before, the story about my dad sounds exactly like him. My sister and I could tell you many stories about his unique sense of humour, but a family favourite is when he was in a bank with his then-partner, now civil partner, sorry Jane... Do keep up. ...opening a joint account. At the time, she was still technically married to her ex-husband. As they were filling out the forms of the bank employee, a question into their marital status prompted my stepmother to say, ''Oh, I'm actually legally married to someone else.'' To which my father loudly and dramatically exclaimed <laughs> to the entire bank, ''What? You never told me that!'' <laughs> Much to the horror of the bank employee and eye-rolling amusement of my stepmom, their other favourite comedy set involves announcing a surprise pregnancy. They're both turning 70 this year. <laughs> this is so lovely. My siblings and I are lucky to have four parents who are all witty and hilarious in their own way, and I'm extremely grateful that both my mum, Nella, and dad, husband number two of three, have each gone on to marry or partner We don't know siblings. dad's name, do we? It's a real no. shame because he's Britain's funniest man. <laughs> Two wonderful and kind people who love them for their respective quirks. A special shout out to all of them for coming all the way from West Yorkshire to London on an extremely convoluted rotor with my in-laws to look after our two young children one day per week. Uh, love from this Yorkshire transplant to London. So I'm just going to call you Zed if that's all right. Uh, what a, Absolutely. What a fantastic um, tribute to marrying again getting on with it getting mm. on with everybody uh, just embracing you know what life throws at you and then what it can bring you i think and that's also, just fantastic can we just acknowledge she's got options for childcare there yes no it's fantastic so she's it's got not a, to be sniffed at she's got four maybe four sets oh, at least three sets yeah of willing yeah. participants yeah well they're very willing if they if they're travelling all the way from West Yorkshire to London. We don't know how willing they're actually feeling, do we? Just for one day a week. Oh, OK, Meg. Mm -hmm. Apparently we haven't got long. 
Right. Um, if you're one of the people who doesn't you know, don't want to look after these kids at all, do let us know. Jane and Fee at times.radio. Actually, I'm quite interested in hearing from grandparents who do childcare about... I mean, we'll keep you anonymous just about whether you really want to do it or whether you just feel that you have to. I just Do you think it's potentially an area of interest? Because I think my parents and, and in-laws at the time lived a bit too far away to be practically on hand, really. Although, they they, you know, in an emergency, they would help out. But it's a big ask, yeah. isn't it? Well, mine, mine couldn't. Dad was dead and Mum was living up in Scotland. She so. moved as far, as far away as possible. Sometimes I really do think the milk of human kindness is in semi-skimmed form in this partnership. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I do think that I'm sure she'd have been willing if she was closer, but it's a fact of modern life in Britain that often the grandparents are not on hand, are they? No. And they do have to make these superhuman efforts to, to get involved. But, but you're right, it would be interesting to hear the difference because, you know, people often speak about the magic of grandchildren, don't they? And if, if you found, you know, some of the days were incredibly long and a bit difficult when your own kiddies mm. were young, what is it that changes that yes, makes it? Is, is it because you it. know that it's not forever? Um, <laughs> so, so actually, I take it back, see, how ridiculous. They're only coming down for one day. Yes, stop with them. Challenge that. No, I think Fee's onto something there um, because we've, we've looked after small children and it does, it is boring and it is tiring. So why are you better able to do it 35 years or 30 years or 25 years, whatever it is, down the line? Why is it easier then? Why? Mm. Let us know. Uh, lots of people with uh, thinking perky thoughts at the greengrocers. Um, I've just got back from the greengrocers. I can't tell you how tempted I was to twirl my carrots in their brown paper bag, says this contributor, who wants to stay anonymous for her own personal safety. Fair enough. Uh, Marie says, listening to the fruit in a paper bag story reminded me of the things I used to hear on fruit and veg market stalls. Thinking in particular of a stall in Chapel Market. Now, is that... Um Where's Chapel Market? I feel as though I... Oh, Chapel Market's in Islington. So it is in London? Yeah. Yeah, OK. A costermonger used to shout out little balls of sugar when he was talking about... Little balls of sugar? He used to, yeah, but what was he talking about? Uh, what were we... Uh, I don't know, sherbet bonbons? No, grapes. Grapes? Yeah. Uh, buying greenish underripe bananas from a shop in the cut, the bloke, after spinning the paper bag, would say, take a slow walk home and they'll be ripe. Nice. <laughs> That's good, isn't it? And if you bought big spuds, you'd say they've come out of a big field in Norfolk. I think it's odd, that one, but I sort of knew where he was coming from. Don't you think a bit of banter while you buy your brassicas makes all the difference? Yes. Asked Marie, do you think? I think it does, yeah. yep. I think it probably does. And uh, here's to Anne, who says, your discussion about paper bags for fruit and veg took me back to when I was 13 in 1974, working in Blenheim Fruiterers in Hoylake on the Wirral where we used paper bags to weigh out the fruit and veg and that incredibly satisfying feeling of twizzling the bag over several times and closing everything and making it stay in place. Also learnt how to add up and do multiplication very quickly as we didn't have calculators. And another skill of cleaning the shop window with newspaper, always the best shine. The owner proudly commented that I came out of my shell working there and honestly, I agree. I think dealing with customers helped me blossom. I think that's probably really good. If you do work in a shop or on a stall, you've just got no choice, have you? I know. And where will you get the chance now when all, you know, the closest you can get to serving customers is oh. just coming around and tapping in the security code when you can't get anything? 
through the self-checkout Do you know, you're absolutely, you're absolutely right again. I was only thinking about that this morning because I quite deliberately... I'm prepared to queue to, to be served by a human. I'm not looking at Megan now because I know we've run over. I know we've I'm only looking at you. Yeah, well, okay. that's going to be how it is anyway. <laughs> I will queue to be no. served by a human rather than using the self-checkout. Yeah, but, but quite often, especially in our local Sainsbury's, I'm going to name and shame you, uh, the, there are now no longer any proper tills there are only self-checkouts it's a big supermarket serving a huge variety of people many of them infirm many of them don't have english as a first language it just drives me absolutely mad. I think it's really wrong and i don't i don't want to enjoy the sainsbury's facilities anymore jane well the good news for me is that the local sainsbury's bakery air conditioning has now been mended and the bagels are back you're back on your bagels if you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Right, quickly. Uh, Tracy Edwards MBE is a sailor, of course. She was just 26 when she skippered the first all-woman crew in the Whitbread round-the-world race in 1989. I couldn't believe it was so long ago. At the time, many dismissed the notion. One critic called the maiden fee a tin full of tarts. The yacht is now the subject of a much-praised documentary, also called Maiden, and you can see it on Apple TV and Google Play. I talked to Tracy Edwards last week and asked her where her old friend the Maiden is right now and what's she up to. So on Sunday at two o'clock New Zealand time, she crossed the start line of the third leg of the Ocean Globe race. So she's currently um, just left the coast of New Zealand and she's heading down into the Southern Ocean. Uh, before rounding Cape Horn and arriving in Uruguay after a 6,000 mile uh, leg. So this is, uh, she's basically in the uh, Ocean Globe race, which is her final race around the world, but sadly, but you know, the old girl's got to retire sometime. Uh, so we're basically using this race to promote um, girls' education, especially around STEM subjects. Who's on board? So we've got uh, 10 uh, women on board this time. Uh, we, we've we tried to make this crew, we, we kind of thought, okay, so 35 years ago, we were the first women to sail around the world. What needs to be done next? And so when Whoopi Goldberg became our patron, um, she, she very 
frankly, because she's a scary woman, um, a, a totally adorable, but she looked at me and she went, why is sailing so white? And I thought, oh my goodness, sailing is actually really well, white. It, it's a good point, yeah. I, I said, I've never noticed. I've been trying to get girls into sailing. They all look like me. And she said, ah, now you know. So now you've got to do something about it. So we've spent the last two years searching the globe um, for women sailors from all over the world. So we now have the first three black women to ever sail around the world, race around the world um, uh, as a professional yacht racing crew, which is very exciting. We have a, a refugee from Afghanistan who escaped the Taliban two years ago. Uh, she is the voice for the millions of girls, obviously, currently denied an education in Afghanistan, amongst the many awful things that are happening to women and girls uh, there. Um, and we have eight other national, well, we have eight nationalities on the boat. So it's, it's a really wonderful mix. We're really doing something very different. And do you know much about the dynamic on board, how things are going? It's, that's, do you know, no one has asked me that question. And it's an interesting question. Because you don't just throw 10 people from all different parts of the world together from different cultures and religions. And I mean, we have six religions on the boat, um, but of course, we're not men. So we're managing not to kill each other over, um, you know, over those subjects. Um, and it but it takes some getting used to. Uh, and I think that, you know, a couple of um Know, girls on the boat who maybe have had a, a sort of a not a, I wouldn't say an easy no one no woman has an easy trip through any sport um, even today but you know have kind of gone into sailing through the, the yacht club and the dinghy club and and talking to a couple of them after one of the the first legs that they did and their their understanding of what Najiba has been through it was was phenomenal I mean I mean I I Sorry, I, Najiba is the young woman from Afghanistan. Najiba is from Afghanistan, yes. And um, I mean, I know loads about this subject, much more than they do. And, he, and I'm shocked listening to, to what she's been through. I think that was a really interesting wake up call for them. But I think it's, you know, it's good because they know they're racing around the world for girls' education and the world tour and the fundraising and all the donations we make all over the world and all the girls' educational charities we work with. But this has really brought it home to them, you know, and we have not just different religions, different cultures. And it's interesting for them to learn that, um, you know, the whole sort of going to the stopover and going to the bars and drinking and having fun isn't for everyone you know so it's it's been a huge learning curve but they are an awesome team they've bonded together I mean, you see them together at the stopovers and everyone says to me oh my goodness your your crew is so lovely they're so happy they're so helpful they're so polite they're so they look after each other and you know but that's that's how it should be but it, it takes some time and some work yeah, I, I can imagine. I can only imagine. I mean, it's quite clear from just listening to you so far that your your interest is well. Is it maternal exactly? Are you um? Are you? <laughs> do you have those sorts of feelings about the crew? And also your relationship with Maiden. It, this is a it's a passionate one, isn't it? Jane, your questions are that you should get the prize for questions I've never been asked before. They are rare and and few and far between. I can tell you. Um, I do feel like I've got, you know, the first time one of the emergency EPIRBs went off, they they triggered it in the Southern Ocean. Sorry, what, an emergency what? 
So they have a, an emergency positioning um, beacon, which um, if, if, it, uh, if it goes into water, it alerts all the Coast Guards and who then call me usually at one o'clock in the morning. They like to go off at one o'clock in the morning. Uh, and, you know, the first time that happened, what had happened was the EPIRB had been swept. The weather was so awful that the EPIRB had been swept over the side and sent out this distress signal. Uh, I knew immediately um, because I'd already had uh, an emergency call that they were fine. Um, but there's that momentary, <gasps> um, and that's when I realised that the feeling is exactly the same as when my daughter, she doesn't do this anymore, but in her teenage years, you know, when she'd say, send me a message, I'm leaving the club now at one o'clock in the morning, and then at three o'clock I hadn't heard from her. Mm. Me trying to explain to her, do you, you will never understand well until you have your own daughter, you know, what I am going through in those two hours. So I do now feel as if I have 10 daughters, Right. They've all left the club at one o'clock and I haven't heard from them until three o'clock. So that's kind of what it feels like. And it's yeah. um it's and of course I do feel very protective over them. Although I, I have to say I feel happier when they're at sea. I know where they are, I know what they're doing, I know they can't get into too much trouble. Yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> so here you are, this this uh figure, a uh, responsible figure, um, a woman who is looked up to by many many others. But back in your teen your own teenage years. Um, you were the sort of daughter that um, your mum will have been concerned about, weren't you? Yeah, I was. I, mean, I was a horrible, horrible teenager. I, mean, I won't go into the reasons why because, you know, they're long and complicated. But uh, I, I um, yes, I, I was I was uh, out drinking and smoking and, um, you know, escaping from my bedroom at two o'clock in the morning when I'd been locked in quite rightly by my um, uh, by my mother and my stepfather and you know I stole a car I was arrested when she arrived at the police station I was handcuffed to the radiator that must have been lovely yeah for that her. would have been that would have been a low point for your mum won't it yeah that was a pretty low point for my mum mm. um that was at the point and then I got expelled from school and then she went into school to ask if I could take my O levels special permission she got the special permission and then I didn't um I didn't go so I let her down in every possible way imaginable and and I was extremely troubled, angry, aggressive. I was pretty nasty, actually. And um, it, it was down to her courage and her, her understanding, I think, of what was going on that she said, go traveling, you know, mm. go go backpacking to Greece, you know, and, and how brave at the age of 16. I would never let my daughter do that. Well, no, I mean, you were both brave, you and your mum. That is incredible. Well, I didn't know what, I mean, I just went, you know, I had no concept. But um, I mean, I think the world is was probably a safer place then, I have to say. Um, but yeah, that got me away from what I was in the middle of. And that was the beginning of, of my new life. And that's, that links in so much to what we do with Maiden now, giving girls the opportunity. You know, we've had 102 girls through the Maiden program actually sailing on the boat. Um, you know, we've funded uh, hundreds of charities all over the world. And this is all about giving people a second chance, especially women and girls. It's also uh, I don't I don't sail, um, but I remember being completely absorbed weirdly by the Swallows and Amazons books as a, as a kid. Uh, by the way, I was no trouble as a teenager, Tracy. Ne- <laughs> ne- um, I, I genuinely wasn't. I was too busy reading. I was such a prat. Uh, oh. I look back on that now. I'm quite quite sad. But um, the freedom of being out on the water, and I, you express it so brilliantly um, that the world begins on the sea, as far as you're concerned. It's not the end of the land. It's the beginning of a whole new adventure. 
It is. And I remember the moment that I thought that because I I grew up in Wales and a beautiful place, Rossilli Beach, you know, longest beach I think it is in Wales. And I would often go down to the water, often in storms. I like storms, very strange person. And, you know, stand looking at the water. And it always felt like, you know, that was the end. That was the end of the land. It was only when I went sailing that I thought, ah, oh, no, it's not the end of the land. It's the beginning of the rest of the world. And that totally blew my mind for a start, you know, that here I was on a boat on water that was connected to everywhere. So, and I, yeah. I was so lucky to have found that. But the, the fact that on the whole, sailing is not just white, it is immensely privileged uh, financially and largely male. So how did you get a, even a, a tiny toehold in this, in this environment? Well, you know, rich people need people like us to run their boats. So, you know, I started out as a stewardess, which is the lowly form of lowliest form of life as we know it on a boat. Possibly the ship's cat is lower. Um, and then, you know, you move up through the ranks and I learned to navigate. Navigation became my absolute passion. I, I grew up hating maths, but somehow navigation was my thing. It's still my my passion. Uh, and, you know, and then learning to love the sea and, and discovering that the people that sail on boats are my people. These are the people I'd spent my life looking for, my tribe. Uh, and, and so all of that. And then once you, you know, so once I'd got that passion and then I realized, whoa, wait a minute. So all of us girls are cooking and cleaning. And I mean, obviously I was doing my navigation, but I did the 85-86 Whitbread Around the World race as a cook. I mean, that was one of four girls in 260, you know, people that, that did the race that, that year. Wow. And I realized as we did the final leg, I had a really profound thought. I thought, no man will ever let me navigate on a racing boat, probably in my lifetime. And that was like, whoa, what? That's Oh, that's got to change. So then I, I you know, so the, the, the secret feminism in me came mm. out and then it all, you know, sort of I had to start fighting. Well, people hopefully have seen the documentary Maiden, uh, which is still out there and available. Um, I had forgotten, if I'd ever known, that you were bankrolled by the King of Jordan. Uh, I mean, how and why did that happen? And why didn't you get financial backing, maybe from the British royal family or from some other wealthy people in this country? Oh, such a, another good question. Um, so I was a stewardess on a yacht in Newport, Rhode Island, and he was there for his son's graduation. His son is now King Abdullah. And I was 21 years old, and I didn't know who he was. And um, so he arrived on the boat with Queen Noor and her sister and um, Prince Hassan, and we all went out sailing. And so I just spoke to him, I mean, with politeness and deference, obviously, as I would any charter guest. But as a normal person and I think he quite liked that and I found myself when I was doing the washing up um he picked up a tea towel and he started drying up and I sort of looked at him and I said I I, I knew who he was then I said I don't I don't think you can do that he said I can do anything I like I'm king so I went okay um and we just struck up this amazing friendship we're both passionate he's dead now sadly but we were both passionate about comms and navigation he was ham radio operator I love all that you know sort of side of sailing we both like taking things apart and putting them back together again 
I really need to get out more. Um, and so we we had all these things in common. So we stayed in touch. And after I finished, I went out to Jordan and I stayed at the palace with him and his family. Um, um, met Princess Hire, who was 12 years old, who would figure large in my life later on with, with Rescuing Maiden. So when I got to the point where we'd raised enough money to buy the boat, I'd mortgaged my house, we'd, you know, we'd crawled Mm. within sight of the start line. And I, no company in the UK would give us money. That's crazy. Oh, you know, they thought we were going to die. I mean, this was a time where, I mean, literally, I mean, you look at the headlines, back to the kitchen sink girls who failed. Um, Maiden is just a tin full of tarts. And this isn't in small little publications. This is on the broadsheets, you know, headlines. So, you know, not surprisingly, no one wanted to stick their neck out. But he said, well, I don't understand that because Jordan has always been visionary as far as women's rights are concerned. They go to school, they go to university, they're in our government, they drive. Um, You know, so Jordan was way ahead of its time and and still is, you know, women's rights and um, that that vision of peace around the world. And he was such a... we could really do with him right now, if yeah, I'm honest. I was going to say that it would be a good time for someone like that to be around. But I, I mean, can you just answer the question, is there anything about that race or anything about that sort of really tough sailing that does require the kind of brute strength that men are more likely to have? No, it's um, I mean, there are. It's OK. So men and women are different. Obviously, we are not as strong as them. Uh, we don't have the same bone density. We don't have the same body mass. We don't have that explosive brute, as you say, that brute force. We don't have that. Um, so so dinghy racing, for instance, you've got to have men's uh, classes and women's classes because of the weight alone um, and that explosive uh, strength that women just, we, we can't even learn to have it. We can't even train to have it. It's, it's innate. Um, but and America's Cup, women can't race against men in the America's Cup. Why either. can't they? Sorry, I don't. Well, God, you need so much strength and okay. power. And um, I mean, it would just. Be, I mean, we could have our own class. I don't think we're allowed to in the America's Cup because it's the big boys and the big money. But anyway, we'll put that aside. I don't see it as sailing anyway. I'm going to get myself in so much trouble. Um, just carry so, on. Um, but long distance ocean racing is a is a level playing field because there are things that you can do to mitigate not having that uh, you know that overwhelming strength so this is a marathon it's not a sprint that is the incredibly impressive tracy edwards mbe and we checked up today and the maiden is doing well in the ocean globe race Uh, she's close to the top of the leaderboard and currently get this fee en route to cape horn on the southernmost tip of mainland south america well that's a tricky tricky journey i say that as if i've sailed it myself but i've not uh, uh have you sailed anywhere yeah i've done a bit of sailing um but i'm no i'm, I'm not very good at it i haven't done any long journeys i think it's i think you need real you need strength you need courage actually is what you need yeah. um, and can i just say that maiden the documentary is yeah. be in my top 10 documentaries of all time it's soup it's a superb story but also the way that it's filmed, um, it doesn't spare the blushes of the female crew because it becomes difficult on board. Yeah. It's a really brilliant watch. Absolutely recommend. And frustratingly, it was on Netflix and it's not on it anymore. Yeah, but, but you, it's on Apple Play. You can so. still get it. I think you have to pay for it, but you can still get it. Okay, well, you're Worth good for it, love. Go on. Yeah, all right. <laughs>
Yes, but who knows what lies ahead, Fiona. Right. Um, OK, sh- shall we say goodbye and look at Megan? Look at Megan. And tomorrow, Fee, where are we? <laughs> tomorrow we're at the Destinations uh, thingamajiggy what's it? Travel show. That's the official title. It's on all the posters like that. And that is at Olympia in London's fashionable West, West, West End. And if you're going to Destinations, then come along and say hello. Uh, mine is uh, Oat Flat White. Jane likes a cup of tea and we'll provide the biscuits. I don't know about that. Well done for getting to the end of another episode of Off Air with Jane Garvey and Fee Glover. Our Times radio producer is Rosie Cutler and the podcast executive producer is Henry Tribe. And don't forget, there is even more of us every afternoon on Times Radio. It's Monday to Thursday, 3 till 5. You can pop us on when you're pottering around the house or heading out in the car on the school run or running a bank. Thank you for joining us and we hope you can join us again on Off Air very soon. Don't be so silly. Running a bank? I know, ladies. A lady listener. Sorry. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com